0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of this year's Coach's Corner. I'm joined by my head coach, Coach Dave Blumenthal. Welcome back. This is your second time. You were one of the guests last year coming back for a second episode, and I just want to thank you for allowing me to have you on.
1: Yeah, Jake, thanks for having me. Glad to do it again.
0: Yeah, and so last year, I feel like we kind of laid the groundwork on, like, the general stuff, um, some of your philosophies, all that kind of stuff. We got that out of the way. So coming back Uh this year, we are coming off another successful season last year where we boosted our win total again for the second year in a row. And so that's in your first two years, we've already taken massive steps in the wins and losses column. What do you think has changed the most that maybe someone that doesn't get the behind the scenes look at the team, what has changed the most in terms of our approach, maybe the way we practice the way we watch film, anything like that?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we've, you know, we've increased our win total by six, which in a 22 game season is nothing to, you know, sniff at. So, you know, we're definitely proud of that. You know, we've made progress in the wind column. We've also made progress in the way we the way we do things. Uh, we spend a lot more time in the weight room. You know, we spend a lot more time, you know, guys getting skill work in, you know, as a group, open gyms, conditioning together. Um, you know, so, you know, to answer your question about behind the scenes, you know, I'd say the way in which we approach what matters versus, um, you know, perspective of, like, What it looks like, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, everything thinks it's great if if I show up in the weight room and I'm here, as opposed to I'm at the weight room and I'm working. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the adage of "be where your feet are" um, is a big thing that we've really tried to to incorporate this year. Of when you are here for basketball, everything should put itself to the side for that hour and a half, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or two hours or 45 minutes, whatever it is. Um, And I think, you know, if the outside were to look, you don't necessarily see it unless you're a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that has a lot to do with the guys who have been around since I took over, who now are the guys who are leading the troop, you know, you and a couple other guys included. Um, I've really taken a lot of leadership and ownership and accountability of this is how we do things. It's going to be this way or the highway. And I'm going to lead by example more than just you know, say, this is what we do. I'm going to mm. show you how we do it and so on. So it's been good.
0: Yeah. And, but if there's one thing we do know in sports, especially trajectory isn't given develop, continued development, isn't just a given. We, we see it across all sports, football, basketball, you name it, players. It looks like they have a 10 year career mapped out for them, whether it's someone that comes to mind, like Brandon Jennings, a massive rookie year yeah. currently in football, Baker Mayfield, great rookie year. And just hit a sophomore slump. With us, we've continued this upwards trajectory, but then what are the next next steps so we keep building and not even staying complacent with the record we have now or even regress? What are the next steps to make sure that we continue this upwards trajectory?
1: Yeah, it's a good question because you know when you are, and I don't wanna say like bad, mm-hmm. this isn't the best word to use, but when you are starting new and you're starting from a lower training, it's easy to go up because you really don't have anywhere to go but up. Um, So once you start going up and you start to see and taste a little bit of success, it's easy to kind of go. But then as anything ever goes, there becomes a time where things could potentially plateau, you know. So what do you do to keep that is you keep finding ways to challenge the guys to build further, whether that be give them more responsibility and ownership, you know, whether you're trying to challenge them with certain stats and goals that they want to accomplish or for us, for example, is we step up our level of competition the best that we can as a public high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for this past summer, we were, you know, able to get into the Capitol Hoops Summer League at DeMatha. Um, so for us, that's a big jump forward because there's only five Montgomery County out of 25 public schools that get a chance to play in that league. And now you're playing against Tamatha, St. John's, mm-hmm. Georgetown Prep, McKinley Tech, a, you know, a lot of these top D.C. schools, um, public and private You know, so that really upped our competition. We were invited to go to the Maryland team camp, which is something Churchill's never done. You know, so we're, you know, as a staff, we're always looking for ways to kind of just challenge our guys. Um, You know, a lot of that is competition and and ownership and finding ways to give them opportunities to lead and just be challenged, you know, because that's when we learn the best and we find out who who has the real character when is when you're challenged. Mm -hmm.
0: For sure, I mean, all that checks all the boxes for what I thought you were going to say. And I was going to say this for later, but it's actually a perfect segue since you brought up DeMatha Hoops, the Kappa Hoops Summer League, and the Maryland team camp that we got invited to that were both high-level events that featured mainly private schools. And with all the private schools in the area, I mean, we can talk about it, sort of blue in the face, WCAC, IAC, I mean, up and down, just great private schools with both unbelievable academic options and on-the-court options but so it's hard enough initially to keep all that talent within the Montgomery County public school system with the new live period. high The new live period schedule like I introduced last year, they in- introduced a couple of live period high schools. None of the Mo- Montgomery County high schools were invited to participate in that. How essential is that for not only keeping the talent where it should be w- within the public school system and putting our guys that deserve to be put on that pedestal in front of the coaches and just getting the correct exposure. How essential is that, that we get involved in that?
1: Yeah, no, it's hundred percent. The next step, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about all this equity of access and, and things for our kids in the classroom, but athletics is no different and it needs to be that way. Um, and that's the next step for us is how, as you know, they want us to do the best we can to keep kids at our public schools. And how do we keep our athletics on, on par with them so we can compete because in the classroom, there are certain schools, you know, where we can compete with the private schools, but You know, that's only part of it. Part of the Mm. equation of a student athlete is your academics and then your athletics. And that is the biggest hurdle Mm. for us right now because as coaches, it's what we want, it's what we strive and it's what we're fighting for, but it's not our final decision, you know? So we are lobbying and doing the best we can and and trying to change the perspective. But, you know, I say all the time, my job is to not only mold young men, it's like every other coach says, but it's to provide them opportunities at the next level on both in the classroom and both you know, on the court. And the best way to do that is to get them in front of college coaches. And we do the best we can at a couple of these shootouts at the um, local D3s. You get some D2, D3 looks, and you go to Maryland team camp with some things, but the live periods is where it's at. And I thought, you know, we can argue back and forth about how it sort or helps AAU and this mm-hmm. and that, but for the public high schools, it was the, the best news we could get for us to be able to keep guys at home. And as we can talk about the, just how Montgomery County lost a couple of good kids, mm-hmm. just this one year yeah. that they've done it. And it's only gonna get worse if we don't change it. Uh, you know, and I think we're heading in the right direction. There are some hurdles that are understandable that uh, have to, you know, be jumped over to make it possible for us to do it, but they're not they're not insurmountable. They're things that can be done. It's just, you gotta have the right minds that are willing to, to think it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> us. I mean, getting us out there, we went into the hood shootout earlier, a good D3 school. Um, a lot of and you see this all the time on social media that people will just come out here with these outlandish takes about coaches and parents. And uh, this one has this porn per saying something in their ear and this one has another kid putting bad advice in his ear. As your role as high school coach, you said it again, not only just to provide them with an athletic platform, but just to mold them into young men. Also, we have a couple players in our program that I think are worthy of playing basketball at the next level. How important is that for you to not only monitor their progress and guide them towards not only the level that maybe they think they should be playing at, but the level that you think is the best fit and, hey, like this is still a great option for you. How important do you feel like that is a part of your job?
1: Oh, it's... It's up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking one of the 1A, 1B, 1C things that, you know, comes with the job is, you know, I mentioned before about providing the, the opportunities for them to, you know, see what happens at the next level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the best way that I've seen to do it is you just keep an honest and open dialogue as the year goes on um, and try to do the best we can as coaches at the high school level to understand that um, the AAU – is another big platform, yep. and we should be working together. Um, you know, I I have um, a couple contacts of the AAU programs that our guys play for, and I talk to them quite a bit. This is what I see during the high school season. Do you see this during AAU? Um, we want to make sure that we're we're both setting it up. Hey, you know, I've heard from this coach that this is a where they vision him as a good fit. What did you hear during this summer at your live periods? That you know what's the buzz around these kids, so that way we can be on the same page. I would hate to be somebody that says, "Oh, your AAU coach doesn't know what he's talking about that program's filling you with smoke," because mm-hmm. they're hearing it from somebody, and I'm hearing it from somebody. So let's just be on the same page. Let's be a team. You know, let's let's be a group that's always looking out for the kids, number one. Yeah. And uh, you know, I have the luxury to say that the the AAU teams that you know our kids at Churchill play for, that is by far their number one and it's been it's been a good to have that relationship with them because i know that once they leave the high school season and, and aau starts that they're in great hands um, and that we're all on the same page and we all have the same vision on you know where we're trying to see you know so and so go
0: yeah no i mean i think that's a great point that shouldn't go underrated but for some reason it does the high school coach and the aau coach working together whether it's sometimes too many egos too many cooks in the same kitchen but at the end of the day, like everyone does this job for a reason. It's out of love for getting kids in the right situation. No doubt. And I mean, I just think that's a great point that you brought up. And I do think within our area, we are fortunate enough with there's multiple AU programs at each level that can provide the kids with the right exposure. I think no one in our area is really in over their heads. If you look at the standings each, whether it's team takeover on the UIBO or mid Atlantic select in the under Rise, like every, there's kind of levels to everything and I think that's what our area I think I can say then you can attest to it does a great job of getting kids in front of the right people not just because you can be in front of anyone but you, if you're in front of someone that's just not at your level, whether it's too high or too low, that doesn't really do anything for you. Just being in front of coaches isn't necessarily good enough, and I think that's a huge misconception, but I think that's something great about our area both in the high school ranks and the AU ranks. Oh, yeah, and
1: that's what makes the DMV so good is that there's so many opportunities. You're not stuck saying, oh, well, I live somewhere, and this is the only two options I have to play AAU, and one's really good and one's really bad, but I'm in the middle, like – you know, if you have been told you're a D2 to high-level D3 prospect, like, these are the teams that are really push and have the connections to go here. Like, you have so many opportunities to really find the right fit. Um, you, know, you know, not to kind of go off on a tangent, but that's kind of where, you know, I personally don't understand how some of these high school and AAU coaches get so bent out of shape when kids are moving from program to program. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we understand that some are chasing the EYBL dream and they're doing all that, and for some of them, it's the right step forward, because you need to be challenged, and you need to do that, Um, but for some of them, they're just looking for the best fit for where they're going to go, and maybe they were in your program, and you taught them a lot of good things, but maybe you're too good for them, and they Mm -hmm. realize, like, you know what, maybe I'm not at that level yet, and I need to look for somewhere that's a little bit of a better fit, Uh, you know, so it's a double-edged sword because, yep. like I said, you have the other the other side where the kids are, like I said, are chasing the dream and they're just trying to, like you say, just get in front of coaches because they think that's yep. what they need, not necessarily get in front of the right coaches mm-hmm. um, playing the right style that maximizes what their game is. Yeah.
0: yeah, and then unlike the AAU teams and private schools that we've been talking about, public schools, you can't craft a roster. You can't recruit. You can't as much as we would all like to. You can't say, I do this, and this guy's a perfect fit for my system. He, oh, I can't wait to run this set for this kid. It's whatever comes your way, and you have to make the most of it. That changes year in, year out. And I can just say from last year to this year, I think we have a completely different team with completely different strengths. So how does being at a public school, just getting the roster influx, whatever comes your way, how does that affect your approach and systematic tactics, I would say, every single year?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really, really good question with a lot of parts to it. So yeah, you take your I'm time. I'm going to yeah, I'll try to, to answer all of it the best I can. Um, you know, the first thing is, you know, obviously I was at good counsel for a year, and so I got the recruiting side of this is what we're looking for, this is the style we're running, and we have the luxury of trying to recruit to that specific kid. Um, so they're like, well, why are you leaving, you know, coaching there when you get to kind of pick who you want? Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, part of the challenge is, being able, as a coach, is being able to adapt. And I feel like, for me personally, that I would get maybe a little (laughs) too complacent in in one mindset of this is how basketball is supposed to be played. And that's what makes the challenge of coaching at the public school, as you so said, is it's so fun to me is that every year is different. So I'm always changing and adapting a few things. Like the core principles of what a coaching philosophy is is always the same, but you know, as far as like values and things like that. But the on-the-court stuff that gets to change from time to time and how how can I adapt the run and jump for this group knowing that this is the makeup of the team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it forces me to continue to grow and study and do all that, which was I think makes the public school coaching so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's because, like, like you said, you don't get the handpick. You get what's given to you. Um, you know, there are ways that you can kind of – uh, facilitate that, you know, getting into community at a young age, you know, you know, doing your clinics and building those relationships early. But it, then again, kids move or transfer in and dad gets a new job in San Jose. And so they're out and you've invested three years into working this kid up because he was going to be your next stud. And, you know, so we all have, we all have our issues from that standpoint, but I just love the challenge of, Like I said, every year the makeup's different. I totally agree that this year the makeup is really different and it's in a lot of good ways and a lot of challenging ways. And, you know, I showed you earlier, I got my my papers over here of a lot of new things that I feel like facilitate this group of kids, you know, better. Because, I mean, if I was out of private school recruiting the same kids, I'm probably going to run the same plays every year because I'm not going to change things up just because people saw it on film. Mm -hmm. I mean, you people are going to get film and they're going to they still got to guard you and this and that, but I like the challenge of finding, you know, I like it's like a giant Sudoku puzzle, man. They're, they're, every combination from one to nine is different. Um, so like I said, we're, we'll probably scrap half the plays we ran last year because we don't have the same, the same makeup, mm-hmm. which is good, you know, which is good because that makes it more difficult for the other coaches to scout us.
0: Yeah. And speaking of this year's team, pretend like you're talking to someone who's never seen any of us play, never, they didn't see the team last year. They don't know who we are, and they're about to come to a game. What should they expect to see from this year's Churchill Bulldogs?
1: I think you're going to see a lot grittier version than you've seen in the last two years that I took it over, and even in years before that. Um, you know, I think this will probably be hands down the most athletic team from top to bottom that Churchill's put out on the floor in probably 10 to 15 years. Um, you know, I've heard that from multiple people who have seen us and on social media at our workouts at Capital Hoops highlights and and I've heard that from some of the coaches that saw us at Capital Hoops that were like, you know, we saw we were playing Churchill and we were just like, man, that's just gonna be one of them things we just kind of roll over and do our thing. And Georgetown Prep got a rude awakening on that side of 355 when they were they had to bank two threes and make a couple tough plays at the end to beat us after we pretty much dominated the game. So, you know, we're athletic, we're fast, we, we play together. Uh, you know, it's gonna be. A, it's definitely a lot different. Even if you saw us last year, you're not. You're gonna see the same team go. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the same. It's not the same blue and green I saw before.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this year's team, we have a ton of seniors. that probably we're not sure about the final team, but probably around half of the final roster is gonna be seniors. And I can speak for it. We're pretty much best friends, all of us, on and off the court. And I think from a playing standpoint, that helps us we have great chemistry. Most of us have been playing together since elementary school. And when you just get along, I feel like you're more comfortable holding each other accountable on the court because you know it's deeper than basketball. You know, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell him this on the court in practice. And then once we leave the gym, we're going to be cool. So I think from a playing standpoint, that's definitely a huge advantage. But from a coaching standpoint, you, had, you mentioned that a couple of the seniors have really taken leadership and accountability and taken it upon themselves. When you're Leaders are so upfront and united at the start of the season. Even how does that help you, or what I would say? What are the advantages, and are there any disadvantages as coach?
1: Uh, well, yeah, there are, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Yeah, but we'll start with the advantages first, because there are a lot of positives. Yep. You know, you, you know, you mentioned before, like what's the difference between the public and private school as far as coaching, and I didn't bring that up, and I'm glad you just mentioned it. Is that you have the opportunity to have a class every once in a while that comes through, that as you say is so tight knit that you don't have to worry about trying to put them in a situation to build chemistry. These kids have been working together for years. Um, you know, and you see that, and you know, it gets magnified, like that's what made Butler so good in college a few years ago, right? Because by the time that group of five or six seniors were seniors, they'd been through battles, right? And you know, for high school, we're not talking just the four years there in high school, mm-hmm. you're talking when they pick up a ball in third, fourth grade, you know, and they're, and they're starting to go, that that chemistry, is uncoachable um, in the greatest of ways because there are certain things that they're willing to say and share. They know each other's strengths. They know each other's weaknesses. Um, And when that group is seniors, it makes things special because then that's the chance that as a coach, you can really sit back and watch them not only work together, but uh, start to have that become a trickle down effect to the lower classes. Um, and I think that's one thing that's going to be interesting about the makeup of our team is that, yeah, we got a lot of uh, potential seniors that will make the roster. Like I said, we don't have trials for two weeks. Um, but there's a good chance there going to be quite a few seniors. Um, there's also some chances there's going to be quite a few underclassmen that will mm-hmm. make the varsity roster and potentially have some serious influence on how the season goes. Uh, so how does that senior effect of that team bonding since they were in fourth grade how does that trickle down to the sophomores when they take over or even the juniors or potentially a freshman um, once that senior class is gone? Because while it's all great and grand, this is where we get to the negatives mm-hmm. that they've built this chemistry comes complacency where sometimes there's like, yeah, that's, that's my boy. It's fine. I'm gonna let it slide. Mm-hmm. Or the younger kids see how friendly they are and how you, they do kind of brush that off and they're like, Oh, maybe they're, Maybe that's not quite the same leadership that I was thinking they had because they're not really listening. They're hearing them because they're boys, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And you get complacent you get a little too jittery, talkity in the weight room or in conditioning or in open gyms or maybe you, you shut some other guys out because you're so focused because he's my boy and he's on my squad. Let me, let's me, let just see what the two of us can do. Or I mean, there's a lot of variables in that, but there are, like I said, there are some negatives that you know as a coach, that's one of the challenges that we have is to keep that chemistry good, but keep it in check to the point where they're always have the next step in, vision, in, in their vision, and they understand that it's a process, and while the chemistry is great, one bad game can derail anything, or mm. one bad practice, or one bad event somewhere, and there could be a tiff, and then how do you handle the failure, and do, is the bond as tight as you really think it is, because you know you got five seniors, but three of them play the same position, Only a couple of them can really play at the same time. So there's some chances where some friendships could be tested. Uh, You know, there's a lot of variables in there, but like I said, when all things are rolling well, like that type of chemistry, like I said, it's uncoachable, but it's definitely not all positive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely some things that as a coach, we got to make sure that we keep in check.
0: Yeah. That's all great points and very interesting. And so moving on to you personally, um, where do you feel like you've had the biggest growth as a coach heading into year three?
1: Oh, uh, wow, that's a deep one. Hey, threw me a softball with the one with the senior's one. Threw <laughs> hey, with a fastball. Uh, no, good question. Um, and I sit back every year, and the more, I, the more I try, the more I realize by the time I sit back, it's August and we're starting fall workouts again because the season feels like it never ends. You know, you go from the season to Capital Hoops to Maryland Team Camp to MoCo Summer League. So by the time you sit down, I look back, I just try to feel like, okay, what can I, what can I do different? Um, what did I do well? What can I build on? What really wasn't good? Um, you know, I think the biggest growth that I've made is, uh, you know, we talked last year about how because I, you know, in coaching years, I have a lot of experience, but as my age is younger, mm-hmm. you know, at 32, that, you know, dividing that fine line between coach and the respect of I'm your coach versus I'm trying to build, like, a, a solid relationship of, like, some things that are out of basketball, um, and making sure that that line is, is very clear so the player understands that when I say something, that they understand that this is the serious coach side versus that this is the relationship side, like whether you and I are, you know, shooting stuff about the Giants football or, mm-hmm. you know, talking a little bit of WCAC, you know, we, t- we have that type of bond, but then when we're on the court, you know, I think that line is a lot clearer. Um, you know, I think my communication with the um, seniors is a lot easier this year. Um, It's a lot clearer and to the point, you know. uh, I think the biggest thing outside of that is probably my finally being willing to delegate tasks. Uh, I have an amazing staff, Hmm. and it's only gotten better every year, and they've gotten more confident, and we've added more pieces, and uh, they're, they're growing, I'm growing, and I think finally I'm at the point now where I'm willing to let them do their thing that I've always trusted them on. Um, but as the head guy, you know, your job is the one that you feel like is always on the line, and you feel like you always, sometimes, always got to have your hands involved. And the more that I've learned and talked to guys, um, <clears throat> you know, old coaches I've coached with, some other guys that I just met when I was at Good Counsel in the league, it's like you gotta trust who you got. You know, you've surrounded yourself with such great people. You don't let them be great people. You kind of just have them there as like a, it's like because it looks good to have five guys on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all have roles and they all are doing a great job. And, and uh, you know, I get to kind of sit back. I still have my hands involved in, in, in a lot of things, but I get to sit back and finally like take a deep breath and realize that it's not all on me. It's all on everybody. And I think part of that is, like I said, because I've surrounded myself with such good people, Knowing that when I first started coaching, I was the only coach. I had no assistance for the first five years mm-hmm. when I was coaching at Frederick High. It was just me. And I've built a network and I've been able to go out there and then now I've got a, a senior class that I am totally fine with saying. Do your thing, you know. You don't have to I don't need them to I don't need to schedule to the conditioning because they've scheduled it and said, This is when we're doing it. Meet me at the track at three forty five. Mm-hmm. Be there, don't play pickup, you know. So That's probably the biggest jump, and it's been the most rewarding because the gray in my beard has gotten a little bit less and less. Um, So that's been good.
0: Yeah, and for sure. Finally, the last question I ask—I ask most players this: kind of, who do you not compare your games to, but who do you take bits and pieces from? You mentioned the new play sheets on your desk. I don't know who's listening to this. I'm not going to ask you what's on them, (laughs) but who do you watch, especially in the past year? Because I may have asked you this last year, but in the past year, there's been – I can't even name all the great coaches that – great sets, great schemes, everything. I mean, just Tony Bennett, Chris Beard, all those college guys, and then all the way to the NBA guys. Mike are had, had a great year. All these big-name guys. But I want to know who you watch and pick up on concepts from. All of them. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd be dumb if I honed in on one because you can never re-emulate them 100%. You know, I, I mentioned this last year, like – All good coaches will tell you that everything that they have was stolen from someone, right? Nothing is like 100% original. Um, Bits and pieces were taken, and that's all part of because when you got your first job, you worked for so-and-so, and then you became part of their tree, so you learned bits and pieces from them, but then you possibly got a job with another coach. You took bits and pieces from them, and you've learned how you're building your philosophy and how your system works that you've taken bits and pieces of good from everybody and molded it into one. Um, Do I like to watch a little bit more of certain people? Yeah. I mentioned last year. I'm a huge Villanova fan. Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time with that. Um, You know, when it comes to certain aspects, I focus more on the college game when I'm trying to figure out certain aspects. I love to watch the NBA game and pick up certain things. I won't give too many details if anybody's, listening that's going to play us this, this year so they don't know what to look for but um, but no I, I look at it all mm-hmm. and I, you know, I would be dumb not to there's a lot of amazing minds out there and if I can just pick up one thing from each of them that I watch then I'm going to be way better year yeah. in and year out
0: yeah I mean, I mean that's all I have if you have anything you want to say if you have any questions for me I'll give you the floor and you can finish it off
1: I'm just, I just hope that uh, you know
0: year three turns
1: out the way that we expect it to and uh we get the support at Churchill that that we want game in game out because like I said this is going to be uh the most fun Churchill basketball boys team we've uh seen in in a number of years Mm -hmm. um so I'm just waiting for November 15th
0: yeah sounds good we're all counting down the days thank you for joining me coach and I look forward to the season thank
1: you